it's get rich slow is what it is, yep. you know, yeah. and and I think a lot of people, I'm shot out of a cannon, make no mistake, I am, and but a lot of people when they get into this, they they get so gung ho and they listen into Grant Cardone and they get obsessed and then all of a sudden it, they realize that each house is only going to be like three hundred dollars a month and they're like, <laughs> dude, this is too mm -hmm. hard, and then they quit, you know, and so it, if I. It, you know, I already mentioned the fact that yes, it is difficult and it's hard and it's a slow boat, but if I can say, you know, I am living proof that it can be done. You know, I mean, patience is patience. You're listening to the Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Azria Show. We are excited to have you here on today and we are excited because as always in Arizona, it's a bright, sunny day, and we enjoy that. We love to get those sun rays. Um, so we have our co-host, Executive Director Mike Delpreet here as well. How you doing, Mike? Hello, hello. What's up? What's up? All right. And we have Luke Carl that is based out of Destin, Florida, and he has over 200 units. And we're going to be talking about uh, residential rentals. We're going to talk about how we got started, how we, how we built everything up, how him and his wife has transitioned from traditional rentals to short-term rentals briefly, but we're going to have her on to talk specifically short-term rentals. So without any further delay, Luke, how are you doing, sir? Awesome. Fantastic to be here. Uh, I'm in sunny Florida. Not sunny today, though, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was just there over the weekend. I was down in Fort Lauderdale and you guys had some uh, wind and some clouds while I was there. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird time of year. It's like that. It's like we're recording this in the middle of January and we have this one little pocket of the year where we're reminded that the cold does exist. And we're, we're living in that right now. And pretty soon it'll be blazing hot again. Yep, yep, yep. Well, still humid down there. It wasn't as humid, you know, but it was still humid. So, yep. <laughs> all right, Luke. So, man, give us the backstory. What did you do prior to uh, real estate? Yeah, I've, I've done it all, man. I owned a bar in New York City when I was 25 years old. I come from come from a very humble background in in rural Nebraska. Uh, I turned 20 years old. I said, I'm going to, I'm moving. To, I got basically thrown out of college and I said, I'm moving to the biggest city in the world. And uh, that's what I did. And I lived there for a long time, 15 years, somewhere in that neighborhood. I was in, like, like I said, owned a, a bar, rock and roll bar. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, I met a girl from the South and we moved to the South and, uh, started buying real estate. And that's really what it was for me. We, uh, all of a sudden, uh, it was like, okay, we went from uh, a million dollar, $2 million, 400 square foot box to, uh, you know, you can actually buy a house and do something with it. And, <laughs> right. Moved to Tennessee. Uh, she was from Mississippi originally. Okay. Avery, of course, my wife is Avery Carl. She wrote the book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. And she's like the, you know, the short-term rental girl. She's the, the one. She'd be happy to come on your show. But anyway, we ended up in Tennessee. I started, we bought a house, we bought a house to live in. And then next thing you know, we got hooked, man. I just got hooked and okay. we, we started saving our pennies, did it the old fashioned way, worked our rear ends off a lot of early mornings and, 
And in, in the early days, we really did kind of a little bit of Dave Ramsey style stuff, which I, I'm really not, you know, it's not my thing to do the Ramsey. I'm not really that penny pinching kind of guy, but uh, when we mm-hmm. first started, we didn't have a choice, you know, we didn't have any money. So okay, uh, we said, we didn't want to buy another house. We rent, rent this thing out. How are we going to do that? So we saved up our pennies for a couple of years and just started diving into to buying rental properties. But first, first one was a long-term single family outside of Nashville. Okay. Back then, you could actually buy a house in Nashville to make yeah, money. You yeah. can't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, this was about this was early 20, 20 teens, I guess. Very okay. early, probably about 2010, 2012. Hey, Luke, uh, can I jump in? Yes. You tell us your whole life, man. You got yeah. to take it back. All right. New York City. Yeah. Come on, you can't just pat, glaze over. My wife's there right now, as a matter of fact. It's not the same as it used to be, from what I understand. I, but uh, I bet. So, so how long ago was it when you had the bar in New York City? I moved to New York two months after 9-11. Uh, okay. I oh, remember wow. vividly the event um, and how tragic it was. And, uh, and shortly thereafter, I was on my way. Uh, so I won't go deep, but like, you know, I have the music background, bar scene background. So I was in the, the nightclubs, the, the rock and roll bars. So I have that that experience. So, you know, to go to New York City, one, two, to open up an establishment in the city, I can only imagine what that cost and how hard that was. And then to run it, right? Like, I mean, what's your favorite drink you pour, man? <laughs> yeah, man, those are days are well. I got kids now. Those days are long gone. But you had a favorite drink you poured though. Uh, we poured a lot of with a lot of whiskey and and cheap right. beer. Uh, it's a all little, right, all right. little dive bar, you know. Love it, man. Uh, and I didn't. It wasn't my dough. I worked for this woman that owned five five bars on the same street, basically, and she was getting ready wow. to open a new one. So she brought me in and said, "Hey, you've been kicking. You know, you've been doing a good job. Let's do this together." So that's how it worked out. And what wow. what did you learn from the bar industry that you in business that you hold with you today? Everything. I learned everything. Uh, the biggest piece of it, it sounds like you're, we're speaking the same language here. The biggest piece of it for me was judging character. Um, mm-hmm. pe- people walk in that room, in that bar, and you could, you could know pretty quick whether this was somebody you wanted to hang out with or not. Um, Trouble, and then yeah. two hours later, they're hammered, and then all the true colors are coming right, out. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Awesome. All right, I just wanted to dive in there really quick. Yeah. Okay. So, so you got, you got the first property um, in Nashville and you got hooked, you got hooked from there. So what was that second property and how did you, you know, you said you penny pinch saved everything like that. Kind of tell us that story because we want to speak to, you know, in the beginning, those who are trying to get that first rental and then how you scaled it, you know, pretty quickly. We've done it all as far as down payments are concerned, but, uh, you know, HELOCs, uh, 401k, the whole, the whole gamut. But the second property was actually a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. This was back before anybody really even, you know, thought to do such a thing because Airbnb was brand new at the time. Um, if, as a matter of fact, if you look at my Airbnb profile, it says 2012 and Airbnb kind of really got going in about 2011. So I was an early adopter. Mm-hmm. And I still, to this day, that first one I bought um, is the longest running Airbnb in the Smokies. And, and I own that. And uh, awesome. Yeah. Wow. That just, again, has to do with marrying a girl from the South. I've never heard of it. You know what I mean? We were living just a, a little ways down the road, but she's like, you know, they got cabins out there. Uh, we were going out there to the mountains on the weekends and stuff. And she's like, they got cabins. And I'm like, well, let's, let's do this. So we, we, you know, we started looking around and 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 saving our pennies again and i don't i couldn't tell you how we got that second one honestly we, okay we sold some stuff i sold a car an old car <laughs> i had an old, old hot rod you know yeah, a, yeah. a guitar and 
uh, and, and we just pulled it together. And it was probably a year or two after that first one anyway. But yeah, we bought this cabin out there in Pigeon Forge. And at the time it was like, you know, unheard of this Airbnb thing and nobody was really doing it. Verbo, Verbo, yes. Verbo has been around almost 30 years. So we bought this cabin and put it on Airbnb and Verbo and it worked. And, and then the rest is history. Next thing you know, it just went nuts. And then of course, Avery started selling them. She's, she's an agent, one of the biggest agents okay. in America for many years. And, and then we've created a short-term shop eventually, which is her team of real estate agents that sells real estate. And, and we teach you how to put the short terms on the internet and make money with them and that whole thing. But, but yeah, for me, man, we, we got that first cabin and then it's like, dude, how do I get the next one? And, and we didn't know, we didn't know, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, we, we did in this back in the day when, when rates were stupid low and, and we did a HELOC on our primary and you use that to buy our second cabin. And then our third one, you know, there was a 401k, I did have a day job after the okay. bar business. I got into radio. So I was working in radio for many years and had a, a technically a, a W2. Uh, gotcha. And, and so cashed that out and bought a, another cabin. And then we brought in a partner, did a couple with him, ended up buying him out later. Or he bought us out and we 1031 that money into another one. And okay. uh, yeah, yeah, the, the story continues from there. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So you were just doing it step by step, figuring it out along the way man that's good that's good and it's good that you have your partner your wife you know do you guys ever run into times where you say you know what i think we should buy this and she say no or vice versa and how do you guys solve that issue excellent question in the early days yeah there was a little bit of that um i will say it was mostly the opposite where because it was always kind of my job she was she was busy selling houses like she's been yeah. one of the biggest real estate agents in history uh, and she's really good at it. I mean, uh, uh, and you guys know the value of a good real estate agent. Yep. Uh, they, they're not easy to find. So I was buying them, you know, she was off doing her three phones and just, you know, nonstop all day, every day, just craziness. And, and then here I was over here doing my best to scrape together the rental income to, to get the next down payment and, and buy another rental house. And, and so that quickly kind of became my role as the guy that was going to, you know, cause she was too busy and she didn't really, right, right. she didn't want to deal with rehabs and toilets, you know? Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, in the early days it was like, Hey, do you think we should buy this one? And eventually it became like, why are you bothering me with this? Just go get it. Just go and do uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's just all about systems. Uh, but there were definitely times I'll be honest with where it went, like I said, the other way where she, she would kind of, nudge on me a little bit and be like, you know, it's been a little while since you, you get to the point where it's like, she's like, you haven't bought anything in a while. What's going on? Are you slacking off over there? Uh, what, you know, you're not doing your job wow, basically. Wow, so that's good. it was a great to get to that point. Obviously it was a lot, a lot of hard work in between to get to that point. But uh, yeah, the, the husband and wife thing, we do get that a lot. And uh, luckily we were both always on the same page as far as, you know, buy and hold. We don't like to sell them. We like to keep them. Good, good. Excellent. Um, so go ahead, Mike. No, that's a good dynamic, right? Because like for selling, you guys had the real, she had the real estate agent to make the cash, right. To make the chunks of cash and you're out there, you know, building the cash flow and you're yeah, never selling that. That's key, man. How'd you go from, cause it sounded like you guys jumped into short-term rentals since day one almost. So how'd you, so kind of backwards, usually we all long-term, long-term, long-term Oh, let's switch it up to short-term. So and you guys did it so early. So how'd you get into the long-term? 
Uh, so, yeah, the first one was long-term, and then the second one, was, uh, it just kind of happened, honestly, because, uh, what, well, like we already mentioned, Nashville exploded, right? We were yep. living, like, outside of Nashville, and we wanted to do another rental property, and all of a sudden, like, overnight, nobody's making any money in Nashville. It's just not going to happen. You know, the, pur the purchase prices went nuts, uh, and mm -hmm. the rents kind of stayed relative, so it got to the point where you're probably not really going to make much dough. So we needed a new market. And uh, the next closest town that would make money, but at least what we found was the Smoky Mountains and, and these rental cabins. So it really wasn't about short term for me personally. It just kind of right. happened because we needed to branch out, find a market that makes money. And it, it, ha it just gotcha. so happened in that town, it was all verbo, you know. So you adapted when one of the key, key yep. things in real estate invest investing as the markets are always changing. 100%. And then we went back to long-term and we've always kind of co-mingled really. I started buying stuff in Chattanooga and did that for, for a few years. And I've got, you know, Chattanooga's got a lot of duplexes. So I got a lot of those Okay. and still have them. I've never sold any of them. I got a couple single families and 17 duplexes, I think in, in Chattanooga, awesome town. And at the time it was close, you know, I was living like two hours away and self-managing with a day job. Yeah. That uh, was, that was, from that two was hours away with a day job. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my next question was, was your management? Because a lot of people get hooked on, you know, not self-managing. So you were self-managing. So what systems did you put in place to make sure, you know, you wasn't getting those three o'clock in the morning calls and 5 a.m. calls and things like that? So it's different with short-term and long-term. And back then it was way different with short-term. Back then there was no management software. Uh, you know, now there's, there's over 120 property management softwares in short-term. Uh, and, and honestly, what happened was about six years ago, these things kind of came out of the woodwork and it was a huge boom and it was like a race to the, to the subscriptions. So they, they just mm -hmm. came out of nowhere. Now, I think it's going to dwindle now. I think you're going to see a lot of those players kind of disappear because it's just not that big of a space for 120 of these right. softwares. But back then it was all, it was, it was a little more difficult. You know, you could, uh, I remember back in the day. Airbnb and Verbo wouldn't even talk to each other. You're like, they, they, there was no way to sync your calendar. So if you got a booking on Verbo, you'd have to run over and block it on Airbnb. So that was like <laughs> oh, the wow. first thing in that space that was cool. It was like, I think it was about, I don't know, seven years ago, they came out with a sync, a calendar sync where you could put your, you could drop an iCal from Airbnb to Verbo and vice versa. And you didn't have to block the calendar anymore. And that was awesome. The struggle. Um, the yeah, struggle. it was just, it was uphill both ways in the snow. And and now you got price labs, you got all these, there's a million softwares to make short term easier. So today I still have those in house. Uh, again, I'm, I'm pushing 300 units uh, pr personally owned with no partners. And I still, I still keep the short terms. I've eight of them. Um, and, and big, most of them are pretty big. Like, you know, I got, I got one in Destin, Florida. This is probably close to a couple million bucks. It, but it was a rehab. Mm -hmm. It was a labor of love. I'm not the kind of guy, at least like not back then, that could just go out and buy a $2 million house, you know? Right. But anyway, so that's, I still keep those in-house. I have two people, you know, that work for me full-time. One person, well, three really. I got somebody that does books in-house full-time. Uh, and then I got somebody that is like my right-hand man. He kind of does, he's, uh, he's like a utility player. And then, okay. uh, and then I have somebody that does specifically the messaging of, with the guests and dealing with the day-to-day -day with the, you know, the couch is broken at this short-term rental. Uh, I need to call and get this fixed and that kind of stuff. So obviously I'm involved with their as well. We spend a lot of time on Zoom together, you know, like most of the day, if I'm not doing something like this, I'm on Zoom with these folks and we're just running a property management company is really what it okay. is. 
But my long terms are all third party. So gotcha. I've got long terms in five different states, four different states. And um, those are all third party. And then, of course, with that, you got to you got to manage the managers, you know? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, so Luke, how did you go from the onesie twosies? Hey, I'm picking up one a year, two a year, so on and so forth to just boom. What was, what was that boom? You know, what year did you just explode and say, all right, we picking up 20 units, we picking up 30 units in order for you to get to that, you know, almost 300 units, what clicked for you? Man, so uh, and big props to bigger bigger pockets, Brandon Turner. I, I heard him say it the best because he always said everything the best, uh, and still does. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. But he he said it's like a locomotive, man. And what it is is that thing it weighs eight billion pounds, and it is impossible to get behind that thing. And you feel like it's impossible to push it and gain any momentum. But it's so big and heavy that when you do start getting that thing going, it's impossible to stop. stop. And that's exactly what happened with me. But if I had to give one, if I had to pinpoint it, honestly, to one piece of advice, again, bootstrap the whole thing, like you said, and I'm very proud of that. You know, I come from the a Midwestern. My dad went to Vietnam twice. Uh, he was a mailman. Wow. He had me underneath his truck learning how to change brakes when I was five years old, you know, okay. and that's just a wet, grew up in a small little Midwestern town, you know, and just a corn, corn, corn husker. I'm a Nebraska. There you boy, go. You yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the, the really the what catapulted it to where it is now uh if to pinpoint to one piece of advice it was a book from from uh, mike mccallowitz by the name of uh, profit first uh as far as like how to how to harness all this energy and put it to work and to get it to flow into the next property it was all profit first for me as soon as i figured out that it was like buckets of money basically is what he describes now i'm a mike mccallowitz fan in general i've read a lot of books can, okay. you, can you summarize what the book what the book's about just remember, yeah remember. uh and he's got he's actually got one for real estate investors now too as a matter of fact well anyway uh just a business author so the book is like this you, you got five bank accounts for one business and one and they each serve purposes so for me with the rental real estate was okay the, the one bank account the money comes in I got another bank account, you know, like you could separate percentages into these other buckets. So you're not basically you're keeping track of if you're making money or not. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I was separating all the funds. And really the most important bucket for me was the buy more houses bucket. That mm -hmm. was where I focused all my energy. That was a separate bank account and all my energy went into making that thing grow. And, and so all the, all every, you know, I do my math on how much uh, each individual property would bring in for rental income, because guys, you, as you guys know, Rental income is a slow boat to Richville. You know, yep, I mean, it, yep. it, it, nobody's going to like be able to. A lot of folks think they can quit their job after three houses and, and like uh, live off the fat of the land. Ain't going to happen. Ain't it's just gonna not going to happen. happen. <laughs> if I could say, repeat that again, repeat that again, man. Like it's it's like planting seed. You're 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 planting seeds and watering them, and like, yeah, it takes yeah. time. It's get rich slow is what it is, yep. you know, yep. and, yep. and I think a lot of people I'm shot out of a cannon, make no mistake. I am. And, but a lot of people, when they get into this, they, they get so gung ho and they listen into Grant Cardone and they get obsessed. And then all of a sudden it, they realize that each house is only going to be like $300 a month. And they're like, <laughs> dude, this is too mm -hmm. hard. And then they quit, you know? And so it, if I, you know, I already mentioned the fact that yes, it is difficult and it's hard and it's a slow boat, but if I can say, you know, I am living proof that it can be done. You know, I mean, patience is patience and read a lot of books uh, and profit first is my recommendation. There Love you it. go. There you go. 
So what do you see next, Carl? What do you, Luke, what do you, what do you uh, see next? What do you and the wife have up to next? Man, I'm trying to find deals. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, and I, I just had this conversation with a friend of mine. And uh, and the truth is, is deals are hard to find. And man, when I first started, everybody makes it sound like they, like the noobs coming in now. They make it sound like we had it easy, you know, back in, mm -hmm. in 15 years ago. But it, it was just as hard back then. You know, I mean, I made 15 offers before I got my first investment property. Uh, it was different. It was definitely different. Yeah. Eight eight percent interest is different, you know. True. Um, in a lot of ways, it may not be worse, but it is definitely different. You know, in some ways, it definitely is worse. But uh, but what's next for me? I'm I'm happy where I'm at, honestly. For me, I, you know, I started buying apartments a few years ago. I've got nine apartment buildings now, and I'd like to get more of that. And I still do buy single family, long term rentals, which okay. a lot of people they get a career like Grant Cardone. Hell, he's gonna buy a single family long term rental. You know, he thinks this. You know, these big guys, they kind of think it's right. a waste of time. I love them. Love a three ranch in school district, and I, I scoop them up all the time. I got two under contract right now. Um, and again, uh, once you get that that down payment factory going, uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, but yeah. now again, long term or multifamily, man, good luck finding a deal. Uh, mm -hmm. Where do you guys stand on that? Like, wh where do we stand on on uh, you know the state of the economy? I'm sure you talk about it constantly, but uh, love to hear your opinion. Sure, you want you want to kick in, Mike? So we're, we're, I mean, I guess it would go market specific, right? Like we're here in Phoenix. So, you know, the, the market's slowed down, man. It's not like the last, should we, we've been in a seller's market for like 13 years, <laughs> you know? So yeah. now uh, it was in Ju June or July, the interest rates doubled, which I don't, I, all over, right? So, which I think impacted everybody and we just came to a standstill. So the buyers are on the sidelines, the flippers are on the sidelines. Um, so, you know, even the sellers unrealistic right now. So you're kind of in this point where the sellers don't want to drop and there's no buyers coming in. So you're just kind of like trying to find a deal as well. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it is kind of here in Phoenix, if that's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. And then, I mean, even in other markets, you know, it's the same way. I was actually talking to one of the, uh, biggest realtors in Illinois and that was the same thing he was saying. He was like, man, is the market just, turned very, very quickly and it's slow. It's no activity. You know, the waters are just flat. It's stale. So every, it seems like everybody's just waiting for some consistency. Once we find out, all right, interest rates are going to be consistently at six and a half percent, then people can run numbers on that. But with them fluctuating so much, you know, it's hard to look at a deal because you're like, all right, well, if we run the numbers here, by the time we close or get the financing in place, it may be another point higher or a point and a half higher. So it's really just the dichotomy of, of people just waiting to see kind of what the Fed is going to honestly do and be consistent with that. Yeah. Nailed it. I 100% agree with exactly what you just said. Sorry. Uh, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Like where? So you're saying you're, you're always buying. So are you buying in Tennessee or are you buying in Florida? Mostly in uh, Alabama and, and Omaha. I buy multifamily in Omaha. And so if anybody has a deal sent it my way, I'm a buyer like everybody else. We got, we got um, someone in our group, Deal Finders Club, actually has access to a deal in, in Alabama right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm because I'm, I live, I'm in the, I'm in the, like, you're in the hook. 10 minutes from Alabama. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm basically in Alabama. So, yeah. but yeah. Look I, I totally agree, man. I think what we, I think what happened was, uh, the economy, the, the world's never seen a bigger, you know, 
boom in real estate and buyer's market, uh, seller's market, right? Never, yeah. I don't ever think it's ever going to happen again. And we're not going to go overnight from what we had to the buyers being, you know, in control. And I think the sellers are definitely not feeling it right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm having trouble where, you know, not only are my interest rates eight, eight percent, give or take uh, seven and a half, whatever it may be. That's the least of my worries is nobody's selling and, and nobody's buying, uh, yeah. you know, in one of my markets, I do a lot of research and things. It was one fifth, one fifth uh, of the amount of properties that sold in uh, fourth quarter, 2022 versus fourth quarter, 2021. Wow, and and I gotta believe that's just because people aren't buying. But I think yeah. it has a lot to do with nobody's really listing. I don't know what, how's it going down where you guys are. Are listings happening or what's the deal? With um, the, there's more. The, yeah, there's more listings now than because one thing here in Arizona, we've always had a supply issue. So that that's all, and it's even kind of keeping things, even though it's not hot. Like I think of last month or last couple of weeks, we've actually been in a seller's market. Not because the buyer demand is super strong, but just because there's no, not enough houses. Not but there has been an increase in listings, though. Okay, that's good. Yeah, but those listings are still a little unrealistic. Yes. They still listed per 2022, you know, Q1 of 2022 versus Q1 of 2023, you know? So, um, what, what, um, Last question, Luke, and we'll let you go, man. We want to respect your time. What do you identify? What do you use as markers to decide on what market you're going to go in? Because you're in Alabama, you're in Florida, you're in Tennessee. Is there some specific identifiers you use to pick those markets? Yeah. So when it comes to short term, I, I buy where my wife likes to go on vacation because in my opinion, uh, yeah. it, really, if you're doing short term, the way I do it, like a look, kind of luxury, you know, like a nice house close to the beach, you know, $800,000, some, you know, in that neighborhood, it doesn't really matter where it is. There's so much technology now, all you need is a good cleaner and you can get rocking. So that I, I like to buy where I like to go. Okay. I do have a little bit of economies of scale, like in the Smokies, I have five in the Smokies, but I just, I love the Smokies. And then when it comes to short term, I'm sorry, long terms. To me, it's it's one of two things. It's within three hours of where you live, like we talked about before, uh, is a great way, especially for for single family. Uh, mm -hmm. And then uh, and then also, uh, as I get older and I've got kids now and, and things have changed, I want to make sure that I'm buying. If I'm buying a lot of them or buying multifamily, like a campus of apartment building, apartment building, uh, it needs to be in an area where I know really well, like where I grew up, which is where I'm buying, or somewhere I want to. Uh, to go back to, or somewhere I have roots of some sort. Okay. Like say your mom lives there, or your maybe your son grew up and moved somewhere. You know, I don't want. I'm per, me personally. I'm not going to just buy something because it's a good deal. I want it to be tied to somewhere that I'm. I have roots in the market, or it's a few hours from where I, per, I currently live is what I'm looking for. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, Mike, any any closing yeah. questions? Well, hey man, if anyone get you know, no closing questions, man, just uh, bring 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 Luke some deals, right? Yeah, bring me a deal. I'm a buyer. Deals. He's, he's a buyer. <laughs> That's what we all want as a real cash buyer, especially as wholesalers. And uh, yeah, man, how do we get a hold of you? I have a podcast, Short Term Rental Management, uh, is the name of my podcast. You can find that wherever podcasts are found. And other than that, I keep a pretty low dad profile. Uh, I'm just like okay. a dad, you know. So, but at shorttermshop.com. And of course, uh, boss lady, she's always, always around, easy to get a hold of. And we do, we have a pretty big YouTube channel as well. Oh, what's okay. that called? 
Yeah, what's the YouTube? Just the short-term shop. The short-term shop on YouTube. Short-term. And I post videos on there, you know, management-related, like how to, how to deal with the bad reviews and things like that. Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks for being on, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes. yes. Thank you, guys. You know what to do. Luke gave us some good information. Thank you, Luke. Always, always get out there and take action. Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.